I'd like to start this morning by just thanking everyone who spoke to me this morning. Um, you know me, you know how nervous I am. <laughs> and I, I really appreciate this family. So, <laughs> so I've, I've chosen this morning to talk about Soul, soul Squared. Uh, so both these young men who were called Saul are from the tribe of Benjamin and they have a common calling to lead God's people. But just to um, contrast them, we have King Saul who starts off as this heroic king who's called to save Israel from their enemies. That's chapter one. But unfortunately in chapter two, he becomes the villain in King David's story. And then he has this tragic end that we see in 1 Samuel 31 verse 3. The fighting grew fierce around Saul, and when the archers overtook him, they wounded him critically. Saul said to his armor bearer, draw your sword and run me through, or these heathens will come and abuse me. But his armor bearer was terrified and would not do it. So Saul took his own sword and fell on it. We're going to come back to this verse later. In contrast, Saul of Tarsus started out as a villain, a zealous Pharisee who is persecuting the Christians. But then he has this amazing encounter with Jesus, and he's transformed into the Apostle Paul. And he gets to finish off his life saying, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. So my question is, why is there such difference between these two men who are both called by God? So in 1 Samuel 9, we read about a young man who any young woman would be happy to take home to the parents. He's a head taller than everyone else, he's handsome, he's polite to strangers, he's obedient to his father, <laughs> and, and so when Samuel greets him and says, and to who is all the desire of Israel turned, if not to you and all your father's family, it's rather surprising that Saul's reply is, but am I not a Benjamite from the smallest tribe of Israel, and is not my clan the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you say such a thing to me? And what Saul is revealing is that his family is still dealing with the shame of what happened a few generations ago. So the, the details on Judges 19 to 21, but we're not gonna go into them today. Executive summary, he is the smallest tribe and the smallest clan because he's the descendant of the survivors of a civil war. And his family was on the wrong side of the civil war. So this is the point where the parents are not so happy that the young lady has brought Saul home now. But this is the extraordinary truth. God is a God of redemption and new beginnings. And he knows our hearts, he knows our griefs and our insecurities. And he wants to redeem us through a relationship with him. So this is how Samuel loves on Saul. 
He invites him to a sumptuous dinner. He's been saving a leg of lamb, and he makes it for this dinner. And he, he puts Saul at the head of the table, and he anoints his head with oil and kisses him. And then just to make sure that he knows that this is the supernatural God at work, he tells him the, the nitty-gritty details of his next few days that culminate with him um, running into a procession of prophets. And here comes that superpower that Chris was talking about last week. The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. So, both men have had an encounter with the living God. What went wrong for Saul that went right for Paul? Quite a lot, it turns out. This, the sermon was originally 10 pages. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> but because you would like to go home today, I, I'm, I'm going to just stick to two ideas, okay? <laughs> Becoming a different person isn't an instant transformation. And we can see this with Saul just a little while later when Samuel is now introducing them as the first king of Israel. They're looking for him and they can't find him. And God says to Samuel, he, he's there with the pack animals hiding in between the supplies. That, that insecurity hasn't magically disappeared because of his encounter with God's Spirit. And, and I really, I really can relate to this, okay? I'd much rather be with Saul amongst the pack animals, doing something that I can do in my own strength, rather than preaching this morning. <laughs> Paul describes the struggle in Romans 7, 21 to 25. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right here with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work with me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? But thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's like the new person that God has created is a newborn baby. And the old person is a belligerent adult, fighting to stay in control, even though it's on its deathbed. And what Paul is telling us here is we need more than a once-off encounter with Jesus to mature that baby. He needs to be Lord. He needs to be the daily authority in our lives to achieve this. So now looking back at the verse about Saul's fearful armor bearer, the Apostle John uses the Greek word parakletos to describe the Holy Spirit. And we know that this translates as counselor or comforter but one of my favorite authors and scholars, Anne Hamilton, also says 
that word parakletos can translate as armor bearer, okay, or, or battle brother. And so if you think of what a battle brother or an armor bearer would be, this is the person who carries your extra weapons, who guards your back, who feeds you rations and, and water, and, and who stitches you up when you've been injured. So Saul was given his counselor, his armor bearer, when he was called by God and he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. But, look at, but looking, okay, and now this is where sort of three pages disappeared. So quick summary. If we look at how, how Saul behaves for the rest of Samuel, occasionally he's listening to his counselor and he does what God wants him to, but most of the way he's doing his own thing. Um, he's arrogantly trying to achieve the mission God gave him without the relationship with God. And the only battle brothers he has to have his back are his frightened men, and they really are terrified, to the point where every time he asks them for advice, they say, do what you want, okay? Whereas Paul, he's learned to walk in step with the Spirit, to seek his counsel, and he writes that the Spirit helps us in our weakness and intercedes for us. So full confession, I can actually identify to Saul in this situation as well. Hopefully not to the same tragic end, but I also like to do things my own way and in my own strength. And with that comes this downward spiral. Because if I'm trying to do the things that God has called me to in my own strength, I get really, really busy and very, very tired. And because I'm so busy, I stop spending the time I need to spend with God, hearing his instruction. So now I'm also doing it my own stupid human way. So the next thing that happens is, is things now start to go wrong because I don't know what I'm doing, right? And at this point, I get a little bit jaded, like things are going wrong, and where is God? Well, God is right where I left him, okay? I'm the one who is um, drifting away. And yet that sense of abandonment is, is still there. All right, here comes the next danger. When I'm now in this place, where I haven't been speaking to God and things are going wrong, I start living my life vicariously. So I am feeding on the insight of other people into the Bible, but I've got no insight myself. And I'm enjoying the corporate worship on a Sunday, but there's no, there's no song of, of thankfulness and joy in my own heart. Sure. And the problem with this lifestyle is just like Saul found relief from his demons when David was worshiping with his harp, it, it's temporary. I'm fine when I'm in the church with all of you. But the minute I step out into Monday into the world, I get taken out by the first squirmish 
because I don't have my battle brother with me. So, uh, I'm about to leave out two important points. (laughs) And I I stopped to uh, see the breakthrough that Paul saw when he prayed, when he worshipped in prison. He had this literal breaking of the ground and he was set free from the prison. But we start having those moments and we're going, Lord, why can't we see breakthrough in this? Why is it not happening, Lord? The problem is, while others can support and encourage us and hold us accountable, it's my own personal relationship with God that's going to sustain me. So, what do we do when we realize that we're drifting, that we're leaving our battle brother at home? I messaged a good friend, happy birthday, the other day. And then I looked down at my phone and went, the last message I sent them was a happy birthday message a year ago. <laughs> and, and this is the, <laughs> these are the emotions that flow from that. Shame. I am a bad, bad friend. Then, indignation. But they haven't messaged me in a year, okay? And and what follows us is insecurity. Well, maybe they don't want to talk to me. Uh, Maybe they don't want a relationship with me anymore. So when we realize that it's been a long, a very long time since we've caught up with God, we've got to move on quickly from the numbing shame. When we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. And quickly from the indignation, if we reflect carefully, it it wasn't up in neon signs, but there was that still soft voice saying, I miss you, come spend time with me. And then we need to be secure. God is not a fickle friend. His love is steadfast. His promises are sure, and if we draw near to Him, He will draw near to us. Thank you so much for joining us. You might be asking yourself the question, how can I take this further? Firstly, you can send us your contact details to cindy at centerchurch.co.za, where we can include you in our online connect groups and you can receive our daily devotional. Secondly, You can hop on our website where you can access previous sermons and find out more about who we are at Centre Church. Thirdly, if you consider yourself as part of Centre Church, we want to thank you so much for your ongoing financial partnership. The banking details are on the website. Thank you so much for joining us and hope you have an amazing Sunday.